Evening, you're listening to Skip Intro with me, Kelvin Yee. In the studios with me is Ian McNally, Bahi Yusuf, and Julian Yap. We are talking about the Red Sea Diving Resort, a new Netflix movie. The government has killed hundreds of families. Many more will die if something is not done. What do you know about what's happening in Ethiopia? The Red Sea Diving Resort. It's a hotel we can use to smuggle the refugees through Sudan to Israel. So let's be very clear. If this goes wrong, they'll all be hanging from cranes. So, what's it about? Well, in 1979, Ari Levinson, played by Chris Evans, and four... For the Mossad, Mossad is Israeli intelligence services forces, and they take over a diving resort in Sudan. And act- hilarity ensues. <laughs> <laughs> I would have watched uh, that movie. Okay, it's a, a comedy. There's a bit more to it than that. <laughs> they take over this diving resort to act as a cover so they can smog- smuggle Jewish Ethiopians out of Ethiopia, which is undergoing civil war. Um, it starts in media res with basically... Captain Israel saving some Ethiopians along with Michael K. Williams. And it goes from there. It's it's yeah. a weird one. I mean, this this falls squarely into by his movie standings of it's fine. Mm. Yep. You know, it's it's not terribly it's not terribly directed well or badly it's not terribly acted well you or kind badly. of regret watching it a little bit because you <laughs> wasted two hours ten minutes of your life uh, i mean no uh, i'm glad this wasn't in the cinema yeah you know what anyway. i mean i'm glad this wasn't a cinema thing because uh-huh. i would not have been able to gotten through it i said the opposite on this show before of the reason why i like that we have netflix for the um ability to choose what we want to watch mm. and this is exactly a opposite where i'm also kind of upset about netflix because mm-hmm. we get sort of mediocre middle of the ground movies like this like triple frontier mm. and um, operation finale which i did not enjoy which also had ben kingsley in it oh really yeah so you know maybe Ben Kingsley shouldn't work with Netflix anymore. Yeah, I kept thinking of uh, Triple Frontier watching this. It was yeah. like this needed a bit more time in the pot. This, this for me, this was more like, a, like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Discount. Yeah, <laughs> discount Argo. Yeah. Ah. You know what I mean? It yeah. really feels, I mean, it's kind of almost beat for beat, really, yeah. of just discount Argo. Which is almost quite upsetting because the actual um, operation that is based on, I think it's called Operation Moses and Mm -hmm. Operation Joshua, jointly referred to as the Operation Brothers, which is great. The actual idea of it, the premise (laughs) is... That's my favorite Farley Brothers comedy. (laughs) Like, the the premise of it is great. The idea of putting that on screen is... Mm. It should work. And the, the idea of putting Captain America and Dario Naharis from the last the Harry and yeah. from Game of Thrones okay, in it. And yeah, yeah. a guy who looks I can't remember who the guy Max looks like he was driving me nuts throughout it and I don't know who the other the other characters uh, Cora are Cora like. Corman from Music and Lyrics yeah mm-hmm. and and the guy from Mansfield Park I think yeah and then having Greg Kinnear and Ben Kingsley turn up is like oh sure. that's interesting but but why and it's so weirdly put together right mm. you it starts off 
very argoy, very mm. you know in the field way, and then we slowly get into. I don't know, kind of office drama. There's a weird montage with Hungry Like the Wolf yeah. that transitions You're to an right. acoustic yeah. version it's of Hungry Like the Wolf. Weird, yeah. I was so, I screamed out loud when that happened. What is happening? <laughs> and I was alone because it was just so untenable. Because that's the hijinks that I hear wanted to see. It's where they realize the best cover for a diving resort is to actually have guests. Yeah. And yeah. the Sudanese government has gone ahead and printed flyers. And, and essentially brought Germans and Japanese tourists around and yeah. I'd have loved to have seen more of that right I think yeah. they spent too much time in the in the poli- or what they tried to do politicking it didn't feel they like they tried to Aaron Sorkin it yeah bit. but they didn't do enough of yeah. that either way right like yeah. like make it more political or make it less political it's this neither here nor there thing that just feels weird yeah. for the two hours and ten minutes we spent with these characters all I know is that uh, Ari Levinson, is that the mm-hmm. Kip Levinson's name? Uh-huh. Like, he's really buff. He can yeah. do chin-ups in jail. Um, he is he has a savior complex and uh-huh. he's divorced. I don't know anything else about any of the other characters. Yeah. Yeah. One of them likes guns and harpoons. I mean, at this point, we can't even tell their names. Yeah. 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 I mean, I did feel like for all that time, we didn't get to see these characters very well. Yeah. Never mind the Ethiopians who were being smuggled out. I mean, oh, no. Michael They're... K. Williams is in this a bit. Yeah. Like he weaves in and out, and like if there's a, if there's a if there's a viewpoint on this story yeah. that could be fascinating and not the standard trope, it would be his. Yeah, which is really upsetting as well because the real life person who his character is modeled after was very involved in this and continued working with the Mossad for many years after that. And mm. at some point during the film, they say, "You're out, dude. You're out." But they know you. You're burned. Get out. Yeah. It's like. He's the one character who's actually connected enough and actively being involved in with the with the refugee thing. Let's follow him for a bit. You know mm. the film thing where something happens and you know who you're supposed to care about because the they direct, have lines. No, the director shows you the the reactions of the people yeah. who you're supposed to care about. Yes. There were so many points when the Ethiopian refugees are right there, and you know what? It's happening to them, and you just think, well, maybe we'll learn something about them. But no, we get to see Chris Evans. This is not that again. movie. No, no, it's not. No. And it's kind of a shame. We never learn any of their names, mm. the Ethiopian refugees, which is ridiculous considering it's a movie about them. And it's like <laughs> tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Through. I mean, there's a point where you'd introduce someone and have them move on, but a better writer would have yeah. recurring characters mm. or characters that will pop up and like make an imprint on mm. these characters yeah. and mm. like let them know they're doing something well as yeah. opposed to we're just having another operation. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it it really feels like I really wish it was a you know like a like a red sea diving resort sort of like a movie. Mm. Like I want to see you that. You wanted right? the best mag- mag- magnificent marigold yes. hotel sort of thing. Yes, uh-huh. of of smuggling Ethiopian Jews. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the second best, the first best, the first best. Both of them. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Both <laughs> starring Dev Patel. Yeah, the first ba- the first best Mossad hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a great film. And there were lovely hints of that. There's like Tai Chi, one of the you yeah. know one of the hard killers lovely. giving Tai Chi classes on the beach. Yeah. I don't know the way that that was just in there and then it was sandwiched in between like weird bits. I just thought, what is happening? This movie has no direction. No, no, no I it think it doesn't know what it wants yeah, to do. Yeah, it, it really felt like they wanted so like all the like all the bits I wanted in the Red Sea diving resort was done in montage. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. like them going scuba diving with you know, with it just the, the Tai Chi bit you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think those bits were could have added a lot of hilarity, but also there were bits of and I'm and I'm really shocked that they played this off in montage when um, Chris Evans' character 
at the end of every successful mission will put up number of customers served. Yeah, right? that's yeah, like it's not even cool. explained really. That's just a like beautiful best moment. customer mm. serves is like three six four zero. Yeah. I was like, is that rooms three six four and zero, or is that like that's actually how many people that got through? Yeah, so they could have played with that a bit more as opposed to just like, oh, look at you know, look at Captain Israel doing this thing on yeah. this wall. I'm just like uh, boring. There's a weird decision as well where it's good to see Alessandro Nivola in this. I've always liked him since he was Pollux Troy from Face Off. Okay, he was Castor Troy's brother, the one who got in all the trouble. He's a billion Jurassic Park 3. No one's got that. He's the doctor guy. Okay. Yeah. There's the point where it's this tension building between those, but he's not he's not as big a character as Chris Evans. He's supposed to be there to be the devil angel on Chris Evans' back. Like the whole point of he has like numerous conversations that all boil down to you were lucky, but that luck is going to run out. Spoilers. His look never really runs never out. Never really runs out. I found it really weird where they're like, they get locked up and he's freaking out because like, we're going to get to, he's, he lost his fingers, right? There's a point to show his fingers were... Yes. He has a scar. Yeah. Yeah, so... I wasn't sure w- the way the camera was holding it or he's missing two fingers yeah. on his hands. Like, we're going to get tortured. They we're do, gonna get, they do that, that cheap camera trick thing of like, just fold just your fold finger down <laughs> and I'll move the camera. The Bill so Nye thing. Yeah, the Bill Nye thing. And yeah. they're building up to a character building moment where the two of them have a fight and then they cut away. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I mean he can say I got to punch Captain America in the face, mm. but then like it's just back to the resort and the rest of them worrying about them. And it was like there's a there's a character beat there, yeah. mm. and they kept skipping those. Yeah, which is always very weird for this film. Yeah, I think if anything, it's one to watch if you really want to learn something. I, I don't I don't know if you want to learn something, just watch a documentary for that. But like if to be introduced to something like the plight of the Ethiopian Jews, yeah. then yes, because then you'll get to, you know, go on a little Google, have a little Wikipedia read, find a better documentary to watch. Just do the just just skip the movie and go to the Wikipedia. Literally. Thing. Or yeah. go to the last five minutes of the movie where during the credits they show archive footage of what oh, actually happened. Yeah. Which was fascinating. Which is more yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I would I was and some of them looked a bit like the actors. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, what's the, is this? Yeah. Where's that story? Where's this movie? Yeah. We are talking about the Red Sea Diving Resort. It is out on Netflix right now. If you have any thoughts, you can send it to us on WhatsApp 018-789-8899. And on social media, we're at Skip Intro MY. More after this, BFM 89.9. Banish fraudulent maneuvers. BFM 89.9. Hello, it's Skip Intro with Kelvin Yee, Ian McNally, Bahi Yusuf, and Julian Yap. We've been talking about Gideon Raft's The Red Sea Diving Resort. It's out on Netflix right now. Um, so from what I took from the discussion earlier was that there are plenty of elements of heroism, but in a white, saviory way. Yeah, there's even a scene where they have to tear chairs out of a plane to make room for the poor Ethiopians and like Chris Evans is lifting what two seats each everyone else yeah. is carrying one. one and the Ethiopians are not helping are not allowed to help mm-hmm. themselves it there's so much white savoring going on in this movie literally the first the opening is no one gets left behind yeah. run 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 oh no I can't get hit there's no shield here but I'm not I'm impervious <laughs> sure He's like traded the, his adamantium shield in for adamantium flannel. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole movie. There's, a, there's literally a scene when they're in the plane. I think it's near the end, actually. And you can see Chris Evans bathed in a white light. 
as oh. everyone sits around him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I must have nodded off. The second off I saw that, yeah. I was just oof. I must have zoned out. It, yeah. it was annoying from like that first opening shot when you like it's in this cornfields and he just does the thing. It's like I'm gonna run and spin. Mm. You know, it's, mm. it's just like he grabs the kid and spins, and then he's lost in the cornfield. Yeah, because he's so white, you can't see him in the cornfield, in the bleached white cornfield. So it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a worrying yeah. trope. It's a, it's it shouldn't be something we'd have to be dealing with now. We talked in the previous half of the show about like maybe have more than one Ethiopian mm, character talking at any one time in this yeah. movie. Um, it got me. It got me thinking about a lot of other movies like this, or other movies with that white savior trope. And and you know what's the problem? You know what the worst bit of that is? As soon as we said it. Everything was just like, oh yeah, that movie's white savior. Yeah. That movie's white savior. That, and it's just like, yeah, it's bad. You don't really have to throw that stone. It's it's, that it's far. not that far. Yeah. It's a it's an easy throw. One that popped into my head immediately was, and it's a great movie, Hidden Figures, because mm. they had to invent a white character to kind of act on behalf of the mm. African American characters, which is just like, oh god, you like you purposely that's really disgusting. You purposely. Yeah. Got this role and then got Kevin Costner to play it, so he wouldn't mind. Mm. And like he's the one who tears down the sign and the ladies, the colored ladies only mm. or white ladies only sign, which is in, a, in response to a very, I guess, and it's an embarrassing situation to be put in, not being able to go to the bathroom. Oh, absolutely, but the, completely. But the but reality the, of it, yeah, the saviorness is hot. Yeah. Like it's mm. powerful. I would like to have known that whether that changed during the course of the movie, whether they were allowed to use the bathrooms that were closest, or maybe not. If it, whatever the truth was there. Yeah. That's important to show. Yeah, yeah. Especially in a movie when you're trying to tell a story about people who have been ignored for so long, yeah. right? And the, the idea of building this character to, you know, uh, an American producer will say to help these women, but mm. on the other hand... You know, to anybody, help, help white audiences have an in-character. Yeah, but also it's it, it just feels cheap. It feels unnecessary, right? Mm. Why? And again, it feels like one of those things where had you not done it, I think it would have been in some ways a lot it's a better film right yeah. you would not have too much of concerns with the with the idea of the white savior trope right i don't know if it's a i don't know if it's a storytelling decision i don't know if they needed that character to move it along which is which i call bullcrap on only because it's real life so yeah. they obviously solved it somehow so maybe just do it that way i don't know so it just feels weird these decisions they've a lot of hollywood has made a lot a lot of times i and i think another one that is very similar to that and Unfortunately, it's a movie that I did love a lot. The first did? time I watched it, I did. <laughs> did. There's a past tense uh-huh. there. And that's the help. And like the story is great. It's supposed to be really heartwarming, right? Yeah. And then you start go- uh, Googling and you see, oh, wow, it was written in like 2002 or whatever. It wasn't, um, there were a lot of legal things surrounding it over whose story this writer, who was yeah. white. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that a little more? Um, the white writer, she had gotten stories from people and hadn't gotten their permission from it they she was, was it her sued. friend's um domestic worker yes. that she got the stories from yeah. and then she would say hey you you're you're basically writing not everything i'm saying to you yeah, yeah. She, and also a sign at the bottom where it says all royalties go to me now from yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and it was kind of disappointing especially when you're not really introduced to something like the white savior yet right yeah. and imagine a little kid going through watching this seeing a story about uh, segregation in the South, the period of transition of segregation. You know, you don't really know the history of it too much. And t- to be exposed to a false history of it, a false narrative of it was, 
oh, I felt so cheated. So I, okay, I mean, I'm gonna take a left field corner here and just say like, what, why, like, is is the problem of the white savior trope worse when it's fiction or non-fiction? Because like for me, like when it's fiction and I'm like, I'm kind of okay with it because that just happens to be the story they want to tell, right? Yeah, but I think then you have questions to ask about that person. Why is this the story they want to tell? Oh, wait, they're white. Yeah, but and, and, and look, and I think that's fine, right? Like I won't write a story about an African-American or an, or an African village in Uganda yeah. because I've never been to Uganda. I can barely point it out in a map. But And I think is this idea that my issues really come up when it's not or based on non-fiction, right? Yeah. Based on a true story. You could just tell the true story. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my issue, like the Kevin Costner thing, the help thing, uh, the Green Book thing. There's so many issues with the Green Book that you just go like, why did you do it this way? Yeah. I don't understand. And it. the thing with Green Book that kind of grinds my gear so much is that they could have... They have access to the people who, mm, yeah. who knew the real people. Like, it they makes pointedly no sense. did not ask his yeah. family yeah, yeah. about anything. Oh, no, yeah. but it's not like that. They, I think, so He's, it was written by the... Uh, the son of the driver. The yes. son of the driver, Peter yes. Belalonga. Yes. Mm. But I remember saying that, I remember reading somewhere that the, the, the driver had asked uh, the doctor, the, 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 the African-American man sitting in the back seat, if he'd do something. Like and he specifically said, no, he doesn't mm. want this story told. Yeah. So the movie was only <laughs> sort of like done, made up yeah. after both parties had passed away. And I think the writer had waited. Had waited, he passed yeah. Away, he had and waited then also horrifyingly did the worst kind of Panicky defense ever, which was just like, oh, I didn't know his relatives were around. Yeah, when which he was is, challenged, which on is bullcrap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they, in in the movie, they pretty up and they kind of make the relationship between them a lot nicer and chummier than they actually were. Apparently, yeah. in real life, they weren't even that close. They weren't. They close wouldn't. She, yeah. They wouldn't come over for Christmas. Come yeah. on, races don't change overnight. And the no, other, they don't change overnight. They change over in a two and a half hour movie. That's true. Oh god. Mm. Yeah, well. So yeah, I think my my issue. I think that for me, the white savior thing always becomes a lot more apparent when it's based on a true story, mm. right? It's and and look, I understand when you pick a point of view to tell a story, and I get it. But when you sort of specifically create characters in the in 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 the case of hidden figures, or when you diminish or change characters in the Help and Green Book, that just makes me feel really icky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like. I think for me, once we've seen it on screen, this, the problem there becomes th those two things that you've talked about become the same mm. because somebody had to write this. Somebody had to think it's about the same, it for a while. It's, it, in, a, in a much, much dumber way, it's when someone says, Let's, you can go in and watch Transformers 4, it's fine. You just leave your, you know, you turn your brain off. It's yeah. like, no, but somebody decided to give the robots genitals. Somebody decided to have racist caricatures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somebody decided to insert this white character or to show the story from their perspective. And you have to question their motives. And you should question most of funny art you're looking at anyway. Mm. You know, these days, everyone, you know, everyone of a certain age in Hollywood seems to want to tell a cowboys and Indian story. But you can't tell that because that's horrifying. And yeah. it's a part of the history that America hasn't figured out how to deal with yeah. on its own, yeah. culturally, never mind in movies. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we can't get, we, we get, that's why we get movies like Dances with Wolves, where, you know, a white guy goes naked, so he, naked, not native, native. He goes native, not naked. He does go naked at one point in that that's movie. That's a I different think, movie, right? I'm pretty he, sure. I think yeah. when it gets cold and he runs out of supplies, he's sure. wandering around naked. I think so. He has okay. to use the outside toilet. And, you know, then they just say, okay, we can't do that anymore. Let's put it into the future with Avatar. Mm. Where you know white bro saves the planet, 
that's like the definition of of white savior, right? Yeah. In the dictionary, it should say see avatar, and it's like <laughs> it's a semi like a more advanced indigenous culture. It's like yeah. Uh, and there's also the question of uh, like if we go back to hidden figures very quickly, it if you throw in an element of a an opposite white savior, a mm. bad white person. Mm. You so don't have in to balance this, it. Yeah, so in the case of Avatar, that's a colonizer. He's coming in, and mm. it's like that doesn't offset anything. Just because they're two white people yeah. doesn't make it any better. It doesn't, yeah. no. I think the, and even then, I think in some ways, I guess the weirder, the part that weirds me out the most is the ending of the movie, right? Because essentially, he literally goes native. In Avatar. In Avatar. I right? thought in Hidden Figures. Like no, no, that's a, that's a movie altogether. No, no, in Avatar, right? Yeah, yeah so because he goes... That's, because that's James Cameron knowing that this is a problem with yeah. the script. It's like, how am I going to get out of being accused of white savior? But does he get out of it though, just by making Making him character? a blue savior yeah. instead? It is, it's that... We haven't really talked about the, the constituents of that, but it is that idea of this white or otherwise civilizing influence mm. saving a more... Savage barbaric, or savage, barbaric yeah. or looked down upon people. And it's, yeah, and we got three or four of these more coming. Maybe he'll save the white people. Maybe it'll be a blue savior movie. Maybe they should just blow each other up and be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your thoughts at movies at bfm.my. You can also find us on social media. We're at skip intro my. This is the evening edition, BFM 89.9.